It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Friday, August 25th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 534 features Barstool Sports' Dan Greenberg. And I'm Evan Valenti, and today's show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston, pick a Super Bowl winner, and get bonus bets every time that team wins. Do it. Do it right now. Seriously. I was going to say 500. What did you say? 534? Yeah. You guys have been – that's an impressive number. Crank it. We've been, we've been around the block. What's up, everybody? New Celtics beat. Great to be back here with you. It is, as we said earlier, August 25th. I say that once again because that means the next show that we do, odds are that's going to be in September. We will be in training camp month. We will be on the cusp of preseason action, and the regular season will be that much closer. It'll be wonderful. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, we are the usual suspects. You can generally count on at least one of us being here and uh dan greenberg barstool greeny joins us good friend of this program and uh we're i i know that you are not here on the east coast as we are but were you part of the big uh anniversary shindig that your company did the other night um i watched it on tv so i contributed <laughs> to keeping the the lights on paid the ten dollars and 89 cents it yep. was well worth it for you anyone. You get a free login. You're part of the company. No, I'm happy to. I'm happy to support them. So uh, it's well worth it if you if you didn't catch it. You know, just super impressive. It, it's surreal. Twenty years. It's like you know. I remember when I first started back in 2015. It was you know a fraction of what it's grown into. So it's it's truly amazing to see. It's it's crazy that it's already been 20 years. Barstool does need the money, so I, I understand <laughs> not, uh, not not giving you the passcode. Uh, that's that's me. I don't expect hey, you to. Green's a company that. man. He he he's uh, yeah. As well as you should be. I'm I'm happy to do it. You know, it's as, it's the least I can do. They yeah. can do all the right things. Listen, guys, we could go in a number of different directions with this show. It's it's the off season, and so it's it's all just. You know, there are narratives around the NBA. There's people across the media talking. You get the occasional dumb quote from a, a current or former athlete from time to time. We heard Pat Beverly speak up about the Jays recently and, and what they are capable of accomplishing uh, or not. You have Blake Griffin, who is not even currently under contract with the Celtics, talking about how unbelievable Boston is. I don't know if uh, he's just trying to I'm sure he means it, so I don't I don't want to present that in a, a way that I was about to, which was differently, I guess. I do believe he means that, but I also think he might be trying to angle his uh, 
his way back onto one of those vacant roster spots, which could be occupied by Blake, could be TJ Warren, could be um, Lamar Stevens is another potential option as well. So we can explore all of that stuff as well as whether Jason Tatum wants to stick around long-term, uh, you know, whether, whether we can compare him to Giannis Antetokounmpo and some of the things that he said this week. So uh, guys, I mean, uh, I'm just kind of dealing the cards. Where do you guys want to start? Well, how about this? How do we feel? Do we believe Christoph's Porzingis when, when the team says plantar fasciitis, he comes out and says, nothing to worry about. I'll be good. I know what, on a scale of 1 to 10, I know where I am with that believable scale. 15. Where, yeah, where where are you guys in, in that whole ordeal? Are you? Do you think this was just, uh, hey, we gave you an extension. You can't play in FIBA. We got to find you an excuse to sit out. Is it worse, better than they're letting us to believe? What do you think? So I'll be honest. I hadn't even considered that option of the team basically just coming up with a reason for why he couldn't do it maybe having the the fears of what happened with Gallinari last year in the backs of their minds not wanting to risk anything protect their investment all of that I hope that's what it is I hadn't thought about that at all no I think he's actually hurt I'm not saying it's necessarily a a big deal oh he's not going to be ready for camp or the regular season or anything like that but I think the you're getting Kristaps Porzingis is advertised. You know, this is a guy who I, I just, if he plays more than 60 games, I will be surprised. I'm going to look at him the same way that I looked at Malcolm Brogdon going into this past year and, and all the more so going into this coming year with Brogdon coming off of the injury. I just think these are certain guys. They're not old, obviously they're, they're still very much in the prime years of their careers age wise in the NBA. But I think these are just guys that need to be managed greeny and, uh, you want to be as, as healthy as you can be for the playoffs to the extent that you can attempt to load manage that. And I, I think that Porzingis, this is who he is. He is not a guy who is going to play 70, 75 games. And if he does, it will shock the world. And all the all the more so, you know, the fact that you've got him under contract for three years now, which is good. It's not like he can walk at the end of the year, but it's also a concern in that it's a lot of money that is coming his way over the course of these next three seasons. And this is someone who I I just think a big man with foot issues or knees or back or whatever should happen to come up over the course of time. It just, it it's, it concerned me the second they traded for him. And it concerns me all the more now with this report. Yeah. What about you? How are you feeling? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sit here. And I like the green to turn this around. He's hosting this show now. Yeah, I need to know. Yeah, I you? I need to know. No, I, I, I'm going to compare it to my own delusion. So I yeah. want to hear where rational people sit. No, I mean, look, it's not great. You know, any type of injury like this uh, that concerns a seven foot two guy who, you know, may or may not have foot issues, like it's obviously going to raise some red flags. I think the the modern technology of the world has found a way to maybe help with this. We'll see. Again, I'm with Kaufman. I'm glad they held him out of this thing. I think Boston has a little PTSD from the Gallinari experience. I really do think they wanted Gallinari to be a big part of that team last year. I think Gallo was super excited to play for the Celtics. And, yeah, it's a little bit heartbroken that he's not playing for them. And as a, as an Italian guy that likes watching the Celtics play, I was a little heartbroken that uh, that Gallinari never suited up. But I think it's just, look, like, you gotta. You have to find a way to get through this season, get to the end of the season with your top eight intact. And it, as we saw last year, even if you do, that's no guarantee you go to the finals. Anything can happen in the playoffs. The Malcolm Brogdon injury, as we talked about last time, Grinny was on this show, uh, really derailed this particular season. 
Um, it was, it's tough when you lose, uh, when you lose Brogdon, it's even tougher when you lose Jason Tatum. And at that point, you know, they just, they just didn't have the firepower to keep up. I, I just am hopeful that, and I think between the three guys, between the three big guys, and again, we'll see what they do with, you know, the rest of the offseason in the middle of the season, that they can find a, a, a healthy split between Rob, Al, and Porzingis. Yeah. And if they can find a way to get like, you know, obviously the three of those guys are not going to play every night. Like there's going to be rare nights when all three of those guys play in a single night. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be reserved for really playoffs and, and maybe some bigger games. But I, I think, again, this is a team that understands because they've been in the playoffs and they've won more games pretty much than anybody besides the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs the past couple of years. They understand what they need to do to get there, what it takes to get there. It's just getting over that next step. And I think having a healthy Porzingis is going to be the biggest, biggest part of this thing. If he's there at the end of the year in these big games, in the conference finals and the finals, they'll have as good of a shot as anybody to win the thing. It's just getting there, Greeny. Yeah. And I, I'd say I'm like a com, I'm, I'm all over the map with this, right? Like when we, when we first got the news that he had a foot injury. Like I tweeted it out. It didn't suddenly make me nervous because I'm like you, Kaufman. I'm I've been nervous about his health since the second the trade happened, and I'm gonna be nervous about it until the last day of his current extension in 2026. That is now my life for the next three years <laughs> is just constant worry about his health. Porzingis pins and needles make yeah, the like it, there's no way around it. Like Brad has made the decision to build his roster around guys with some injury concern and there's no other way to look at it than we just have to pray. And that's a dangerous game for a franchise that has maybe the worst injury luck of all time. <laughs> also, it also wouldn't surprise me if for the start of the year or a portion of the year, we see him on the Al Horford plan. He's not playing back to backs. He's, you know, they're being selective in how they use him, which is why I think someone like Blake or that, you know, their big man depth, it gets thin real quick when you look at it, right? Like, and this isn't even factoring in your yearly Robert Williams injury, or maybe something happens with Al now that he's a year older. Like, I think we also have to remember Al burned out after one series against Joel Embiid, right? Like, mm-hmm. even with the load management play, he, he was healthy by the end of it, but he had no legs for his jumper after one series of yeah, playing with like, that's not fair for me to keep thinking he's going to be 26-year-old Al Horford. Like, I just can't do that to him. So I'm nervous about that. I'm nervous that they're telling me it's plantar fasciitis the same way they told me KG's knee was just a sprain and he was going to be back in a week. Like, until I see him on the floor, I just – I'm skeptical. I also don't think he's going to play a lick of, of, of action in the preseason. So we're really not going to be able to know – probably until opening night. And I fear that with how good the the competition is and the parity among the East, like I don't think you can afford to have a 2021 season where you're floating around 500. Like you have to be good right away. And I think if you look at NBA history, I obsess over it every year. The 40-20 rule is real. You need to win your 40th game before you lose your 20th or you're not winning the title. It's like, it's like 80, not, it, I yeah, think it's, it's a, 
You did the math during the season. Yeah, it's like, when the Celtics were the first team to hit the 40-20 club. You were like, this is the math. This is what yeah. it's, it's It's like, I think the there's, there's a handful <laughs> of exceptions. There's like the bubble, the bubble Bucks, or the year after uh, in the shortened season, the Bucks, like, they obviously, the math didn't work there. But I think of like, of the last 49 title winners, like 47 of them hit the 40-20 mark. The Nuggets hit the 40-20 mark. It doesn't guarantee that you win a, uh, a championship because obviously the Celtics didn't do it. The Bucks didn't do it. The uh, the Suns last year didn't do it. But the winners, Golden State, 40-20 team. Denver Nuggets, 40-20 team. Like, you just can't afford to have a slow start. And I'm nervous if Porzingis isn't going to be ready and he's not going to be right and they don't have a lot of time to gel in camp and in the preseason, you've now lost a big piece of your, you know, of your chemistry of how to play together with smart gone. You've lost rotation guys that have experience in Grant Williams. So I don't know. I'm like, they have the talent on paper, but what does it look like if they don't have time to gel together before things start for real? You said well, that's part of, we'll go ahead. Uh. You said something interesting there. Kaufman, do you think this team's going to have a, because I, I, the nerves, I can, I can sense the nerves here from Greeny. Kaufman, yeah. do, you, do you think this team is going to have a similar start to the season? And they had under Ime Udoka, Udoka like, geez, wow, Udoka, there we go. Wow. Uh, when they just were under 500 or trading around 500 the first start of the year until they hit January, then all of a sudden, shh, there it went. I don't think this team is capable of that anymore. Unless, Again, may, and I'm talking an injury to Jason Tatum type stuff. I'm not talking sure, like yeah. he's playing, not playing in back to backs. I, I, it would be to me something catastrophic would have to happen to that team for them not to be an elite top three seed in the East for the entire season, in my opinion. Well, the weird thing about that team is we remember like the first two, three weeks of the season, they didn't know how to play defense. It was alarming. It was, it was really, really concerning. And then obviously they figured out by the end of the year, we're the best defense in the entire league, but you know, I, I don't, we've, we've asked this question on the show in, in recent weeks, you know, especially with the additions of Sam Cassell, Charles Lee to the staff and, you know, bringing in established experienced assistant coaches to help out with Joe Missoula, but also in part the way they've reworked this roster, like, you know, out goes smart incomes, Porzingis. Those are kind of the, the headliners in terms of the in and out, but Grant Williams out as well, who is a, a solid defensive player, better defender than he was an offensive player. He's as good a, you know, corner three point shooter as he was, or is, uh, I just, I'm not sure. I guess it takes, it makes you wonder how long it's going to take for them to figure out what their identity is and mm -hmm. how much of that is going to lean on offense, which it, you know, largely did last year as you know, defense had its ups and downs and statistically it was a good defense, but ask anyone players like they will tell you their identity primarily last year was offense whereas the year before primarily was defense and I feel like they kind of learned last year that they had to by the end of the season they had to revert back to what they were versus what they had become under Joe or find some sort of hybrid like you would tweet all the time Greeny about Missoula ball and how great it was and the ball movement I, I agree but like how, how do you find that middle ground to where you can be you know top five offense top five defense and be that out of the gate as opposed to, you know, a, a team that takes a month to find its way on one side of the ball or the other. So I think this is what's going to be really interesting to see is because I think heading into this season and really every season where you want to be optimistic and you're thinking, well, 
if this is what they were last year, they're going to be even better. But progress isn't always linear, right? Like, is Malcolm Brogdon going to shoot 44% from three again? Like, logic tells you there's going to be some form of regression in some way, right? Like, is Derek White's jumper maybe going to regress a little bit? Is, you know, is, you know, who's going to be that replacement for Grant's shooting? But I think what's going to be interesting is now with a much more prepared staff and a year under his belt, will the experience on the coaching side sort of balance out any sort of regression that we now see on the floor, right? Like they're not going to go 21 and five and shoot 50% from three as a team again, right? Like that was the same way that they weren't going to have the same second half of 2021 again. That was a unique experience in time. So it's how are they going to balance that regression out that's always going to come with a more experienced staff? Is it going to be a more sustainable strategy where you're finding that middle ground and you're not all just relying on threes? Is it maybe having Tatum more in the post? Because I think what we're going to learn is with Smart not here anymore, I think people get so caught up on his three-point shooting and all that jazz. But when they needed a bucket, they had a 6-4 strong guard that could get into the paint, operate offense from the block, you don't really have that from that position anymore on the roster. Derek White, he's not the same type of bulldoze point guard. You know, Malcolm Brogdon isn't trying to, you know, post anybody up off the block. So when they really need a bucket, because there are going to be times where Tatum's inefficient, Jalen's inefficient, is Porzingis going to be enough of that, you know, safety valve? Because they're going to have to change how they play. That's just the nature of what their roster looks like today compared to last year, they're not going to be able to play the same way. So it's going to be interesting to see what that even looks like. So my concern, and this could contribute to a slow start. It's why on our previous show last week, I was talking about, you know, and in part, I would reasons that if, if I had to bet on it, I would take the under for wins versus the over, even though I think they're going to be in the vicinity. I, and this could be like, Full disclosure, this could be a strength by the end of the season if they're healthy going into the playoffs, and hopefully they will be. But right now it's a concern for me that I just don't believe that while they're better in terms of being top-heavy than they were last year, I just don't think they're as deep a team as they were last year, top to bottom. And so, again, that could elevate if Porzingis misses time, whether it's load management or he's actually hurt. Horford, obviously, like we know, as as you acknowledge, there are going to be plenty of games that – he is unavailable to them. Brogdon's going to miss time. If if we see guys like Pritchard, Hauser, uh, some of these, you know, back end of the roster guys take on real roles during those moments to the point where later in the year you feel like you can rely upon them as opposed to, you know, we're, we're staying rigid to our top six guys <laughs> come the postseason, maybe seven, and we're afraid of everybody else. You know, that that gets them into trouble. Now, you got a really solid top six, seven guys right now. But as we talked about, I think there's going to be plenty of times that not all of those guys are going to be available. Rob, as you said, is going to miss time. Other guys that we already mentioned are going to miss time. They're going to add to this roster with some of those names that we mentioned off the top of the show that we can spend more time on. But I just that that's sort of greeny my biggest concern going into the years. I just don't think they are as deep as they have been the last year or two. 
Yeah, and I think the easiest way to sum it up is higher ceiling, lower floor, right? Like, there's no doubt about it that their top-end talent is better and can achieve more in terms of overcoming what cost them their seasons in years past, right? They're now way more versatile offensively. They have a legitimate, like, all-star scoring threat to play next to Tatum and Brown, which they did not have last year. But at the same time, they do not have the same depth, which was such a strong suit for their entire year last year. Obviously, the rotation shortened in the playoffs, but to to be the team they were, you were relying on that depth. And I think people say, oh, well, Smart played fewer games than Porzingis. What's the difference? Well, the difference is their roster was built to absorb their point guard missing time, right? You had four legitimate point guards on that roster. Now, if Porzingis misses time or Brogdon misses time or White misses time, you do not have the same level of backfill on the 2024 roster, right? Like there's no grant to eat up minutes. There's no smart to overcome if Brogdon misses time. So basically to me, what they did is, is they may have answered some of their like glaring playoff series questions, but all they did was swap that out for a new set of questions that we didn't have to deal with last year. So when people try to say, are they better or worse? It's impossible to know. They're just different. Until we see it on the floor, like, we don't know if they're going to be better. We can say their ceiling is higher, but they have opened them up to a lot more risk, I think, compared to last year, which is unsettling because, as we saw in Game 7, you are one turned ankle from your season being over. And I just don't know until we see it. Like, if O'Shea Brissett shoots 38% from three, okay, great. Then that's not a question anymore. But – we don't know if that's going to happen. So part of me is is nervous for natural regression from guys like Brogdon. Like he could still shoot in the thirty high thirties from three, but that's not forty four percent, right? Like we saw what things looked like for him when his injury robbed him of of his shooting in the playoffs. So I, I don't didn't know enjoy watching that guy. Yeah, it's like I don't know how they're going to be able to you know overcome their potential risks. I also don't know if teams, like, are teams now going to say, wow, Smart's gone. Like, we don't have to worry about them defensively as much. Like, there's just things we have to see before we can know if they're better or worse. I did not feel that way heading into last season, right? When they traded for Malcolm Brogdon, you knew they were better without even seeing them play. With the changes that they've had with key rotation guys, and the brain trust, right? Like, think of all the big moments that Smart and Grant have been in in a playoff series. You're now banking that Kristaps Porzingis, while he's a better talent, is still going to be able to be able to come through for you in those big playoff moments when he hasn't had to do that yet, right? Like, that's, to me, what makes Tatum and Brown so unique is from day one, they've been able to grow and fail and have success in these big playoff moments. Well, now the Celtics window is two years, right? Before Tatum's salary kicks in. So they don't really have the time for guys to figure out how to play in these big moments. We don't know if if Brissett can do it. We don't know if Porzingis can do it. We don't know if, you know, if Pritchard can do it in the role that they're maybe going to need him 
You know, he's not going to just be coming off the bench like in game seven of Milwaukee as like, you know, a nice to have. Now there is legitimate need for him to contribute on a consistent basis. It's just an unknown. Yeah, I think for me, if you look at the rest of the East, can you make that argument or not make that argument for all these teams? Like you look at the Miami Heat, the Eastern Conference Finals. Definitely. The Conference Definitely. Finals, they lost Definitely. a bunch of talent. And if they, if they like, if Jimmy gets hurt, I just don't know how that team functions. I mean, again, Jimmy's a robot and it's incredible. And even when he's hurt, he's great. Like it's just, it's, 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 it's a lot. But if they, but if he gets hurt or if Bam gets hurt or if, you know, they have, you know, they have a lot of, yeah, I love to see how they how they figure that out. Honestly, if they could figure out how to get you know over the hump of those two injuries, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, Chris Middleton has never been the same since he got hurt. Uh, again, I'm, I'm I love Drew Holiday, but I, again, him going seven for twenty one in a big game is, is to, totally possible. Giannis is a freak, and we all know that so it doesn't matter. But I mean, look, Indiana got you know Bruce Brown, but does that really scare you? I mean, the Knicks. With Jalen Brunson, another year of him, and 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 you know the rest of that squad is that really going to? I I just don't. I look at the Eastern Conference and I say, look, the Celtics have problems, but I think everybody does. I think a lot of teams like what, Philly. What does Philly do? I mean, what in the world does that team look like? Come October, come December, come January. I just think there's a lot of question marks in the East, and I think it's helpful that Boston has. I think the most talented roster when you go one through eight. I obviously top end is Giannis and and with a bullet, but I think one through eight. I think they have the most talented roster, and if that's your plan going into the season, I really can't fault the plan. I just really well, can't. It, but that's the thing. Like we can't fault it, but we can't say it's a lot. Like we're in this weird limbo where. We're hopeful, right? I think we're all we see what Brad is is going for, right? We have the main pillars minus smart, but like the true main pillars of the team are still there, right? As long as Tatum and Brown are breathing, you're gonna be, you know, a legitimate favorite to at least make the conference finals, right? They haven't they haven't failed to make the conference finals with those two together in when they're both, you know, active. So to me, that's the baseline. But what I care about is I've now gone through two years of being told the Celtics have all this, you know, the most talent, whether it's they're more talented than the Warriors or they're more talented than the Heat. It hasn't mattered in either of those series, right? So to me, it then becomes, what are you doing around the margins? And our margins now have more questions. We may get to the playoffs and those answers or those questions are answered and everything's fine. I'm just thinking we're not entering, or I at least am not entering this season with the same feeling as I had last season, despite trading for a guy that's an all-star talent. That's just like a weird thing for my brain to process. And I think part of it for me is obviously mourning Marcus Smart. Like that's, that's not a secret, right? Like I'm the, I'm the, the driver of that bus. And I think there's going to be an article in the globe of, Wow, the Celtics really are missing Marcus Smart, and I'm going to lose my freaking mind, right? Because if, now when he's gone, you'll, you'll only lose your to, mind if Gasper writes it. I'm going. Oh, oh. Like, <laughs> like, like, we're going to. I'm now going to have to be listening to people tell me how valuable Smart apparently was when, like, no shit. But like, that's <laughs> I, think, 
I think like that's going to take some time for everyone to get used to, right? We have never seen this era of the Celtics without that piece of the puzzle. It could yeah, be better. Been a decade. It could be worse. It could be better. We don't know. What I want to know, though, if I could just rant on this subject real quick. Please. What I want to know is when someone other than Tatum and Brown or Porzingis takes a shot in the final minute, does that person now not accept their role? Or is that just going to be something that people def- – like when when Derek White or Malcolm – I was going to say, who would, it, who would it be other than Derek White? Who or, would take- or Al Horford, pick a guy, right, outside of Tatum and Brown. Because that was a thing, right? Why is smart shooting now? It, it, Tatum and Brown need to be taking all your shots. So when someone kicks it to an open player, not named Tatum and Brown, the same way they would kick it to smart in those situations, and he took an, a wide-open catch-and-shoot three – and that was him not accepting his role and needing to blah, blah, blah. Is that going to be the same discourse? I'm going to guess no. I'm going to say, oh, no, that's a good shot. You got to take that shot. So I'm interested to see how the hypocrisy shows itself over the next year or so uh, in regards to that. But that's my own personal demon. I can accept that. That's my own problem. But that's that's Green, Greeny's rant is very similar to my nobody can blame, blame Marcus Smart anymore rant that I've gone on more than once on this show that, I, that that's the part of the trade that I'm actually excited about is that you're there's going to have to be a new villain a new uh, well that's just going to be Jalen I mean people are just going to throw your oh we can't dribble left or all that it's yeah. like yeah you know, that's that we already know is happening and I think you know, his contract certainly doesn't help, but yeah. he's highest be- paid player in the NBA and the guy yeah. can't dribble with his left hand. Yeah. yeah, But it's, but you know, like the Missoula excuses are gone because he has a year of experience yeah. and he has a competent staff smarts gone. So it's like, you know, I can't, you know, I mean, the, the, honestly, then the, if it doesn't work out, heaven forbid, if it doesn't work out the, the, the next evolution of that conversation is a return to the, you know, uh, to a la Pat Beverly, Tatum and Brown can't win together. Yeah. You you have to make a change. You, know, yeah. like you brought in Porzingis, that wasn't enough. You have to make a change. Here's something I'm wondering. And I, we're not going to have the answer. This is just me wondering aloud. Is, like, Wick Grosbeck, you know, they, they traded away Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. So, Ownership didn't lose any sleep over trading away Marcus Smart. <laughs> you know, as much as they love Marcus, it, no. two two totally different you know ends of the spectrum in terms of overall importance to the organization and what they brought and all of that. Uh, and love you mean it with Marcus as well for sure. But I just, do you think it was Wick who went to Brad? It, like it was in in the conversation with Himmelsbach, the interview that that Grossbeck did. Yeah, the, I read that. Yep. The uh, it was presented basically, and this may be true. It was presented as, you know, basketball operations brought to me this idea and I signed off on it. Yep. I'm wondering though, do we think that's exactly how it went down? Do you think Brad and Zarin and Austin and whoever else looked at it and said, what we're doing is not working. We're on the cusp. We're not quite there. We've gone to the conference finals five out of the last seven years, but that's not banner 18. Mm-hmm. Somebody from the core has to go to shake this up. It's not going to be one of the Jays, despite past trade rumors with Jalen Brown. We're going to try and deal Brogdon. Didn't work out. Marcus Smart is the one on the way out the door. Or do you think ownership went to Brad and said, I'm tired of this crap. Like, <clears throat> I I don't care how you fix it, but fix it. Yeah. We, we need to get over this hump. 
We should have won two years ago. We fell short of expectations last year. I want that banner. How do we do it? Do what you have to do. So I'm not saying Wick went to him and said, like, trade Marcus. But but do we think it was, you know, like, whereas possibly, uh, you know, Brad and company may have been reasonably content to run it back with the important pieces of this team and ownership said no. Or do you think it, in fact, was basketball operations? I lean towards, because in that quote, I think Wick was like, if if Brad or Basketball Ops had said, let's run it back, cool. They wanted to change it up, cool. I think where they approached it is they said, when we get into these playoff games against switchable defenses like Miami, like Golden State, our offense goes in the toilet. So their solution was, what type of player can they bring in that addresses that issue, right? They... They are also probably thinking of Al Horford's, you know, replacement, right? So you're probably looking at a big, a stretch big in that, that you think can maximize your two best players. I think they found that avenue with the Brogdon trade for Porzingis. Once that fell through, bringing in that type of player to accentuate your two best players and to solve that playoff problem, Marcus Smart was not going to stand in the way of solving that issue, right? So had they been able to trade Brogdon, Smart's probably on the roster. I think it got to the point where if that trade wasn't going to happen, then you have to say, okay, it's going to cost us Smart, so be it. Because the risk of not doing it outweighs keeping the status quo with those three. So I don't think it was, we have to get rid of Marcus. I think it was, we need to bring in a player like Porzingis by any means necessary. If that costs Marcus Smart, so be it. If we can do it without getting rid of Smart, that's obviously what they prefer because Smart was their second, probably their second most consistent player during this entire playoff run. He is not the reason they did not win the title in either last two years. But I think the like the risk of not bringing in Porzingis was too good because we have a large enough sample that when they get into these conference finals or in the finals against these teams that know how to switch and lock in on them defensively, their offensive rating is like a 50. It's awful. And there's enough of an evidence of that to say something has to change. Like you said, we're not trading our two franchise pillars. What's the archetype of player that we know fits next to them? It's a pick and pop stretch big. And I think when you look at the evolution of Porzingis and what he brings to you as a drop defender, a rim protector, a guy that plays out of the post, it's like he checks too many boxes to let that deal just die and go forward with this group. I would be very surprised if Wick went into their office and said, you got to trade Mark. Like if he had gone rogue and like done something crazy and like taken all the shots from Tatum to, you know, cost them a ring, like, that I can understand, but he played within his role. He wasn't the reason you lost. I just think he was the collateral damage to bring in a player that they feel can get them over the hump. Yeah. I mean, I, I just look at this this particular operation, and it feels like Wick's very, I hired my guys, I'm out. You yeah. know, if, if it's up to him. It's like, that's it's their call. I have to sign on the dotted line, and obviously I, I have to be okay with this. But at the same time, like one of the things that, you know, plagues owners is when owners get too involved with 
with personnel decisions, whether it's baseball or basketball or football, when owners get involved in personnel decisions, it, it usually doesn't end up going great. But I think yeah. Wick's one of those guys who, you know, I mean, for as much, uh, you know, of a hard time as we give James Dolan, James Dolan's just bad at hiring the right people, you know? He just has no clue how to hire the right guy to be the GM of the New York Knicks or the the president of basketball operations. I think Wick, um, in his brain his brain trust, have done a good job of you know hiring the right people over the past years to uh, build the team the right way and to you know address certain flaws. And I have to give him credit for that. Um, you know, he's vocal about stuff, but I don't think he's ever really pounding the table for things. I think he lets his staff figure it out, and if you know, if if things didn't go, like things have gone well, like this. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, like Brad is giving him reason to trust him, right? Right. But what makes this so like such a polarizing move is this is like this is Brad's. I mean, like this is going to define his tenure as the GM of this team, right? Like mm-hmm. all of the trades he's made before were no brainer, low risk moves, right? Like. Tampa's knees were shot. You know, you gave up, you know, young guys that really weren't, you know, superstars or, or, or showing progression in that to bring in guys like Brogdon. So you you haven't really had to, you know, you've extended Rob and Jay. Like, those are no-brainer extensions. This is the first, like, true gamble of Brad, where not only are you giving a guy that's, you know, has been a great Celtic fan favorite, blah, blah, blah. You've also are breaking up a trio that has had a relatively, yeah, yes, they haven't won Banner 18, but we haven't had too many stretches in our lives, for, you know, post the Larry Bird era where they've been in legit contention. So if, the, if Porzingis flops, well, now what? Like, what happens? Do you get out of him and try to trade him for 60 cents on the dollar because in two years you're going to have to make a choice. So we're entering the part of Brad's tenure where it's almost like it's legacy defining to some degree where if it works, you're going to build him a statue. If it fails, we're going to be looking back of like, wow, like he maybe, he maybe closed our window as opposed to maximized it. But we do have some news. Uh, it's... <laughs> Breaking news! Wait, did it happen during the show this time? Uh, yeah, but it's not something that would, you know, we'd be sitting and uh, redoing a, a a taping or something. Kind of Gary Washburn, Celtics star Jalen Brown will play in Saturday's Big Three All Star Game in London. Brown will play for the game, uh, play the game for the uh, the London Youth Charity. Uh, just don't get hurt. That's all I, I care know. about. Have have fun. Have a great time. Don't get hurt. Yeah, I mean. People will probably freak out about it, but like they play in pickup during the summer. Like that doesn't really bother me as much. You just have to, whenever we get into this time of year, whether it's FIBA or, you know, open gym runs, like all you got to do is just cross your fingers that, you know, that they come out clean with health. Cause the only way to get better at basketball is to play basketball. So like I can't expect these guys to not play, but like you said, like just, just please stay healthy and don't really try that hard, if we're being honest. <laughs> I don't know if you can bet on that game, Ev, but what I do know is yeah. that you can you actually can bet on a lot of big three games. I don't know if you can bet on a charity game in London, but but I, I I've made a wager or two on the big three. Listen, yeah, we'll it, I don't know. Is it even I remember when it was on like TV? It wasn't the worst thing to TBS. watch. 
CBS. Yeah, I went when I was at the Garden a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was listen, a marathon, man. There were six games. I watched Joe Johnson play until he's like sixty. So I'm, he's I'm out in there. A, yeah. I saw Joe, baby. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Not even just Joe, Amir Johnson was there. there oh, many Johnsons on that court. I feel like Amir Johnson's a bigger throwback than Joe Johnson at this point. To be honest, there you go. Yeah. Kaufman, to answer your question, I do not know if FanDuel has a line on the big three all-star game, but I will tell you is they have a bunch of lines on other things, and we'll take that time to tell you today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season, folks, as we record, the Patriots are getting ready to play the Titans in about a half an hour here mm-hmm. on the last preseason game. So football season is right around the corner, and uh, because it's right around the corner, FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you get bonus bets for every single victory. You get to use them on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And Coffin, you and I have been talking about for the past couple of weeks, the same teams, you know, your Chiefs, your Eagles, your Bengals to win a lot of games. I'm going to throw two not, other – Not my wins. Chiefs or Eagles. I'll tell you What's that up? right now. What's up? <laughs> I said they're not my Chiefs or Eagles. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I, I just think if you're going to bet them to win the title, you're just going to yeah. win a lot of games because of that. And like, it doesn't matter about the title bet, so to speak. It's more about just racking up those bonus bets. I'm going to throw a couple randos your way, though. Mm-hmm. I kind of love Seattle this year. I think their defense is pretty good. They got another cornerback in there, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, to, to help out uh, Sid McCollum there from. Uh, like tennis, Texas State or something like that. He was pretty excellent. But they have a great defense. I love Geno Smith. They have a good running game. They have three wide receivers that are legit. I think they're going to be in an easy division to win, especially if Brock Purdy is not 100%. And I kind of love the Steelers. I kind of think the Steelers under Mike Tomlin just tend to win a lot of games. Uh, They tend to win around 9 or 10, and that's good for some money. So as much as we plug the, the big three, as I say, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Bengals, I'm going to throw two dark horses your way uh, with the Steelers and the Seahawks, respectively. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. It's FanDuel.com slash Boston. 21 plus and present in MA. Uh, first online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Restrictions apply. Max bonus $50 unless specified otherwise. See terms at fangle.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. You know, you mentioned Brock Purdy. There was some other news during our show right here that uh, is not all that relevant to us, but would be a big story depending on where you live. Uh, Brock Purdy, very much the guy. Jimmy Garoppolo, as we know, he's a Raider now, and Trey Lance has been shipped out, traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. (laughs) So how about that? Michael Lombardi, who called this from literally the draft. That Trey Lance was drafted, that it wasn't really the guy that they really wanted. So, shout out Lombardi. That's yeah. Well, I mean, they're probably thinking Dak will probably get hurt, right? So, yeah, well, why not? He was a first-round pick. Might as well give him a shot. Totally. Yeah. I don't know what the compensation was. Couldn't have been too, too Can't much. Can't be much. Can't be much. But, I know uh, we've got a guaranteed roster bonus, but we don't need to talk about that. 
in terms of guys who could join the Celtics still greeny, we had the notable workouts that at least were reported. We don't really know anything about them, but TJ Warren and Lamar Stevens, you got one player in Warren who I really wanted the Celtics to get about this time last year uh, mm. before he, you know, wound up elsewhere and uh, is, you know, certainly the better offensive player when he's available and healthy. That's sort of the question, the injury passed there with him. Lamar Stevens, the better defensive player, more of a high-energy guy. Which one is uh, the more important addition if the Celtics even do sign one of these two guys? Yeah, it's tough because I think, first of all, you know, the hope is that we never have to see either of these guys play substantial minutes. Like, that's first and foremost. But I think when you look at how their roster is structured now, O'Shea Brissett is kind of your defensive first high-energy wing you just drafted Jordan Walsh as a defensive first high energy wing. What you don't have is a big six eight or six 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 seven wing shot creator, right? Like that's just in terms of skill sets, you don't have that right now after the two J's. So because Hauser, like he's a spot up guy, you're not he's you're not giving him the ball and say Sam Hauser, go get me a bucket. Yeah. If T.J. Warren is healthy. I think I lean that way just because, you know, we've seen it in the past. I think he's probably 60% of bubble TJ Warren at this point, but even, you know, you're talking the 14th, 15th guy on the roster. So in that aspect, in in terms of the skills that they have, I lean more TJ Warren. Like that's a guy you could see in the middle of January, get hot for like 20 points off the bench and carry an offense, maybe Jalen has a rest night, something like that. Knowing that, it probably means we're going to get Lamar Stevens because Brad loves defensive first guys who says, we can teach you how to shoot. So that's probably where they go. But I think I think I lean Warren just because I'm just, I'm just dreaming of Bubba Warren and how unstoppable he was as a player. But he didn't really do too much in Phoenix pre-trade, pre-Kevin Durant trade. So the expectations are probably a little high for what he actually is. He is not going to give you anything defensively. He's not, you know, going to be a playmaker for you. He is strictly there to ISO and get you buckets. I just, I think you don't have it. So go that route. But I do think that they need to give one of those spots to Blake of their, of their final two. I just think he's a guy that, you know, works. He can hit the occasional three. He rebounds. He fits with the the vibe of the locker room, but in terms of the wings, I think it's probably going to be TJ, or it should be TJ Warren. I, I just think if you're going to draft Jordan Walsh and actually have a planned on role for him this year, getting Lamar Stevens is just going to really interrupt that, right? Um, and I'm look, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm on the in the front seat or if I'm near the front of the bus on the Jordan Walsh bandwagon, but I'm way up there. I I I just. I think he's very interesting. I think they they got a guy who's got a lot of tools, and if they can develop him the right way, he could be a potential you know problem for. Not like I'm not like a Jason Tatum problem, but he could really carve out a nice role for himself. And I don't need Lamar Steve. And like, look, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm the Lamar Stevens expert. Like, I think anybody that says that they're a Lamar Stevens expert is probably lying to you. Like, I know he played at Penn State, good scorer at Penn State, Penn State, Big Ten basketball is more known for being more of a slog and defensive, so you know he brings that. But I'm not going to sit here and say I've grinded Lamar Stevens tape. I'm not. I'm just not. It's not part of my thing. T.J. Warren. Yeah, I've caught a couple of glimpses of T.J. Warren. I know what he brings to the table. It's like uh, 
you know, if you could get a little bit of Terrence Ross, you know, sort of that kind of guy, I'm, I'm, I'm really into that. But I'm more about trying to not step on the toes of the younger guys. And I think Greeny, with the way you've said it, like maybe they want to give Jalen or Jason an off night. Like who's the guy off the bench that's going to score on the wing? They don't right. have him. So that's right. that's where I, I fall in line with that. The Blake Griffin thing, just for vibes, that guy fits in this locker room extremely <laughs> well. And I do think they're going to miss a voice in the locker room with Marcus Smart now that he's gone. And I think bringing a guy in Blake – who clearly gelled well with this crew. I mean, he talked about, I believe, on a Barstool pod, yeah? Yeah, on the on the foreplay. foreplay pod. Pod. So he talked about how awesome the experience was playing in Boston. He talked about how humble Jason Tatum is, how he treats everybody like they're like his brother, and he, he has so much respect for every single person that works in the organization. I think it's important to keep the locker room camaraderie uh, the same as best as you can when you jettison a huge part of it. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand that the NBA season being 82 games, the long, and now we have this in-season tournament, it's a long season. And yeah. you're going to get pissed at each other, you're going to get bored of each other, you're going to get annoyed at each other. And having a guy like Blake who keeps it light and fresh and funny, like I forget who – they play a prank on Grant in the middle of a game and like Tatum like could not contain himself. He was laughing so hard and Grant, yeah. Grant had no clue what was going on and Blake could barely keep a straight face. Like it's – it's important. Like, yeah, the hustle plays are cool. Like, I, like Blake's not going to play a ton. He's going to sacrifice his life. You know what you're getting at this stage for Blake. There's a reason why Miami kept Udonis Haslam around. Like, mm-hmm. it's just important to have a guy there. Like, maybe he's not Udonis Haslam in terms of the heat culture, whatever. But he's someone that understands the grind of basketball and understands the importance of having a guy on the team that can make people laugh. Like, I, it's – critical I think to have a guy like that and I just like that's not Tatum that's not Jalen that's not Derek White that's not Al Horford I'm pretty sure Porzingis is not like a funny rah-rah-ha guy like that's just not his thing Cornette's there he's a funny dude he is but like that's it gets added like I think him and Blake have this great synergy like the bus one group like the bus one boys like that's I think that's hugely important and I and and I think Brad understands that maybe better than anybody else in terms of being like a, a pobo because he was in the locker room. Like he's someone who's coached through seasons and gone through those slogs. But I think it, it's, I think he'll understand that. But yeah, if we had to pick one of the new, like the Glenn Robinsons or the other, I forget the other guy that they, uh, like Louis King, I think from the, that has, has gotten a look. I, I think of the guys, I think Warren's the guy just because of what he brings from an offensive standpoint, even though, like it feels like they have enough offense, they should go defense. But I just don't want to step on on the next, you know, Sean Marion, Jordan Walsh's toes. I'm just not trying to do that. And not only that, but like we've already sort of put all of our eggs in the injury risk basket. You may as well double down on TJ. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you can't draw the line. Like, oh, too much of an injury concern for the roster. Like, listen, we're that's our life now. So I'm committed, baby. He's another guy who would raise your ceiling. And again, we're talking about the 14th guy. Like if TJ Warren ends up not being healthy, like that's not going to decrease the Celtics title odds. But if he proves to be healthy, that raises your ceiling. I mean, listen, if if this team ends up hoisting banner 18 to the rafters, you might have to on that giant long white banner, just in the little corner, put a little ambulance. Yeah. Like this is, I mean, this is, this is peak hospital Celtics. The I was going to say maybe watch. maybe Brad maybe Brad knew that in order to win the title he had to go full hospital Celtics. 
Like, I, I just embrace it. Oh, you, you, you never go full hospital cell. Yeah, you just go full hospital cell. Like, like, how many times can we have devastating season-ending injuries, right? Like, at some point, you just have to, you know, you got to get the other side of the coin, and maybe that's going to be this year. I don't know. That's what I'm telling myself as I cry myself to sleep is basically what I'm telling you. Well, and then you get up in the middle of the night to watch feeble World Cup basketball. True. Well, that's I can't wait for tomorrow. That's going to be exciting. Any um, I mean, before we wrap up, we've been going about an hour. Is there anything that anything left for you, like anything that you're waiting on or interested in that has to play itself out between now and the start of training camp other than filling out the back end of the roster? I am interested. I don't know if they've if they've done their full roster, but I feel like the Thunder have to cut a couple more players, right? I think they they're slowly trimming down. There are some interesting names that are on their bubble that I think maybe could be interesting candidates. Um in terms of else around the league, I mean everything is pretty I mean, we're in like the dog days. I, I got think Oh, I, go got, for it. I got a topic here and I got to shout out Jason Tim because I think this is just gonna if it hits the right people this will this will take off he had a he had a little clip the uh that went uh, I saw it on my timeline today I thought it was very interesting he called Jimmy Butler oh I saw this. I got mad about that I, of I, I still- and I was like I was like man <laughs> like I you see this like there's just a ton of bad blood between Miami and Boston right now like just the fan bases and I'm like just chill out guys it's August like we don't need to do this right now like go outside like touch grass all that stuff but I thought it was interesting he was like think about like Paul Pierce's career in terms of like he's a little unorthodox he's like he's not Kobe but at the same time like he's a big game player uh that doesn't command as much respect in the regular season but you look at his postseason stuff and he and you look at the game winners and the the game tying shots, like he's got all this stuff, all this fanfare, and Jimmy is similarly, you know, sort of has had a similar career, like not very heralded, has gotten close, but never gotten over the hump, hasn't yet, at least, you know, with with Miami and with Philly and with the Wolves and with the Chicago Bulls. I just thought it was an interesting thing to bring up, considering how much the two fan bases hate each other right now. If you go and you look at all the replies to that, it's what's funny about this. And I, and actually I, I blogged, I think it, I think it just went up, but Heat fans are like, this is so disrespectful to Jimmy Butler. Celtic fans, <laughs> this is so disrespectful to, to Paul Pierce. I will say for a first ballot top 75 team member, Paul Pierce might be the most disrespected, like top 50 guy of all time that we have. Like people throw around being compared to Paul Pierce, like there's a ton of people that compare to him in the league. Like Paul Pierce is 20th all time in scoring. He is legitimately one of the greatest small forwards to ever play in the NBA. Like I think we need to pump the brakes on that. And when we talk with Butler, it's like when he comes up short and and has no show games in the finals, that doesn't seem to like get used against him. And it's weird, right? Like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown get crucified for losing in the Eastern Conference Finals and losing in the Finals. But there are other star players who don't even make it as far who seem to skate. Like, what, like do you think Luka gets half the flack that Jason Tatum gets despite not having anywhere? I love this. Yeah, I love this. You know I've been doing this too. So it's, like, so it's like Paul Pierce went to the Finals, won Finals MVP, like – 
you don't get to discredit that and compare that to a guy who was on the biggest stage and didn't win finals MVP and didn't have that same impact. So it's like, I just feel because of what Pierce does in retirement and his hot takes and all that stuff, like people think it's like, he's not one of the best players to ever walk the earth when he's a first ballot hall of famer, top 75 team guy. Like you almost have to put some legitimate respect on his name as a basketball player. So I don't know. I saw that and I just laughed because like, on what planet would a Heat fan ever say it's disrespectful to Jimmy Butler to be compared to Paul Pierce? Like, I get that it's the cool thing to, like, crap on Pierce on Twitter and all that stuff, but, like, he's legitimately one of the 50 best players to ever play. Yeah, I mean, I, Good place I, to end. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, cool. I, I'm not here for Paul Pierce slander, man. He just but at the same time, but at the same time, like, Heat fans can talk all the junk they want because of what happened this spring. So it's nobody like, won the title. Who cares? Like I don't want to hear anything from Heat fans. Like neither we, the Seeds didn't win the title either. Like who cares? Like Jokic won. He was yeah. awesome. I hear you. I have one more recently though. <laughs> we'll give him that. I guess took getting LeBron there to do it, but you know that's a whole other thing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're getting closer. I'm, I'm curious, you know, that it's always interesting to me this time of the year. I'm, I'm curious what we're going to be talking about next week. You know, maybe, maybe TJ Warren or Lamar Stevens or both are Boston Celtics at that point. Maybe Blake Griffin is part of the fold, or maybe someone will just say something stupid that we'll be able to react to for however long, but either way, this was good. A lot of good conversation. In this one, All if right. you've still made it this far, uh rate review, uh, the, podcast please by all means so wherever you get your podcast be it apple spotify wherever else we're there uh celtics beat just search for us and and you'll find us uh comment on the youtube page all you like uh we don't always reply but we do love to read the comments so uh keep them up no no, no matter how much you dump on us uh if you dump on us it's uh i mean but you got your invisalign in or what (laughs) i know they're they're in they're in yeah just just getting a just getting a little smoother with it a little bit less of a lisp after a few weeks. Although I'm, I'm ready to eat something, though, man. I'll tell you that right now. Yes, Greeny, thanks for hopping on with us, buddy. All right, guys. Anytime, you know, I'm here for oh, you. Yeah. Oh, we'll bug you again. You can count on that. For Ev, for uh, Barstool Greeny, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again. This has been Celtics Beat, and uh, enjoy the rest of August, folks. Happy betting. All right.